0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Clean Energy. Guys, you know I've been using Clean Energy for many months now and it has become a staple within my training and in my life. If you're not familiar with Clean Energy, it is a clean label, certified organic smoothie, and a single-serve packet that changes the paradigm for on-the-go sports nutrition. As I'm sure many of you guys are aware, many energy bars, drinks, and gels today contain added sugars and lab-created ingredients, whereas Clean Energy contains only organic fruits and vegetables. And just one year since its launch, Clean energy is used by athletic departments across the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 conferences. Clean energy has been recognized by Runner's World in their annual fitness awards as a quote, best food to eat before a run. And I couldn't agree more. I have clean energy before many of my runs, and I also have them after my runs. The convenience of the single serve packet mixed with the healthy ingredients and delicious taste makes this a big winner in my book. And that's why I incorporate it every day into my training and into my life. Clean Energy is shelf-stable for months, durable, and portable for wherever and whenever you go. Clean Energy is healthy energy for the long run of life. You guys can find Clean Energy's incredible product today at cleansmoothie.com and on Amazon by searching for Clean Energy Smoothie. I've also left a link in the show notes and hope you guys will check out this incredible product that has become a staple within my training. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of The Running Effect Podcast with Dominic Schleter. I'm your host, Dominic, and the reason I say another is because we release a new episode once every two days, and so if you've enjoyed any of our episodes in the past or if you enjoy today's episode, please do three quick things that take next to no time, giving us a five-star review and a follow on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and then sharing today's episode or any of the episodes that you've enjoyed in the past with a friend, teammate, family member who. Whoever you think would find value and benefit from it. Today on the podcast is the one and only Olivia Howell. She has absolutely dominated the NCAA over the past few years. Uh, she ran for the University of Illinois, where she clinched Big Ten titles and earned multiple All-American status. And she also won the 2023 NCAA Indoor Women's Mile in Albuquerque. I want to say she ran 434 at altitude there, which is absolutely remarkable. This past summer, she transferred to the University of Texas at Austin, I believe would be the official way to say it. And uh, there she has one final year of eligibility in cross indoor track and outdoor track. Today's conversation was a ton of fun. We discussed a plethora of subjects relating to Olivia's career her story and all that she's looking to accomplish in the year to come. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy my conversation with the one and only Olivia Howell. Olivia Howell, welcome to the Running Effect podcast. How are you doing this afternoon?
1: I'm doing really well, and thank you for having me here.
0: We briefly discussed this before we hopped on here, but we have some funny connecting pieces where we both grew up in Ohio, and then you just moved to Austin for your fifth year, if I'm not mistaken, at the University of Texas, and I moved to Austin in June to go full-time with the podcasting company and whatnot. So it's just funny how that works. First question for you right off the bat, because I've experienced this weather. What's the transition been like?
1: Oh. <laughs> it it's definitely taking some getting used to. Um Illinois had never had weather like this, although I know they're having similar weather now. Um the heat is a lot, although we do practice like in the morning right before um it gets too intense, um the walk to class is around like two o'clock ish is is when it really hits you. So uh just getting used to the heat is it's going to take a minute, but I'm slowly getting there for sure.
0: Well, the craziest thing is that the the highs of the day are like always really hot, but the lows are still super hot, too. So, like, I feel like the past few weeks, the lowest temperature it gets is 78 or 79. And at that time of day, it's super humid. So it's like even if you run in the morning, sure, it's better than running in the afternoon but it's still like so hot. And it's funny coming back to Ohio for my brother's wedding right now. Um, the highs in Ohio are hotter than the lows in Texas. And so it's just funny, but that's something I've kind of come across as like, man, it's just brutal. Like 24 seven, you get no break. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, next week though, I hear this was below 60. So I am looking forward to that. Um, the, A crazy thing happened this week when it got to 95 and I was happy about it. (laughs) Um, Never thought I would have that feeling um, about it being in the 90s, but it has been in the 100s here. So even just like a few degrees cooler, it just makes all the difference.
0: Something I've experienced uh, within my own training, I'm training for a marathon right now, um, is like staying true to the intention of the day despite the heat right so if you have an easy run still making sure it's easy and not trying to think that like oh if i was back in illinois this eight minute pace run would be like 720 pace can you take me through what that's been like for you of like trying to stay true to the intention whether it's a workout easy run long run with the added stress and condition of the weather
1: right so i feel like i adjust to change very well um and also like listening to my body um i I try not to stay traditional with um how, again, like how I was feeling in Illinois or like how I felt in the past doing a run um, and really just letting um, whatever happens like in the run happen, especially during the recovery runs, we're doing some intense training right now. And again, just like listening to my body, um, there's definitely runs where I was a little questionable about like how slow I was running and how I was feeling. Uh, But again, uh, just like the heat and and stuff, as you said, uh, does make a difference. Um, so I don't really pay too much attention, especially since, uh, coach definitely pays attention to that since she's also coming from Illinois, um, and being here as well. So
0: I will get back into your backstory and how you got started in the sport as well as what you've done in college thus far. But while we're on the topic of you being at Texas, take me through the decision to transfer and, um, kind of just like the change and shift in your life.
1: Yeah. So, um, just being at Illinois, like I loved being there, um, great experience. Um, I achieved so much, gave a lot to, or the, the university gave a lot to me and I gave a lot back. And I felt like it was, it was time that um, I did what I had to do there. Um, I accomplished a lot and I was kind of ready just for a little bit of change to kind of take me to the next step to towards um, what I'd be doing next year after my eligibility is up.
0: Is that something you're looking forward to in terms of like turning pro next year? And also with that, I'm curious, we'll get into this race a little further into the conversation, but you won an NCAA title on the mile indoors, and then you had a really successful outdoor season. What was the reasoning behind a fifth year as well? I'm sure you could have gone pro if you wanted to, but adding on another year, take me behind that decision.
1: Yeah. So even before the year started, um, I, I thought about going pro after, um the past year I did talk to some other like professional runners that I I had connections with and, and even coach and just like really using the opportunity and the resources that um you have when running collegiately a lot of professional runners have told me it's not the same and um to just take advantage of the eligibility that I have um so yeah that that was a big thing and I also I feel like I definitely have some more developing that i can i can have with my race style and there's no better way to like have that than to uh, do it while i'm still running collegiately so
0: for those who aren't familiar or haven't been following the ncaa this past ncaa track and field outdoor championships were held in austin texas on ut's campus for you was it weird uh knowing that you were going to go to ut and racing there but racing there under a different singlet probably haven't been like haven't visited the, yet before that
1: Yeah. I actually didn't know I was coming here. Um, I didn't know I was even going to transfer at the time. Um, I I ran that race fully thinking I was going to be back in Illinois Jersey. So the strangest thing was being back here at the first practice and being on the track. And, um, it's just like completely different vibes. I started getting nervous as if I was getting ready for a race. Um, but yeah, when I, when I came here in Austin, um, I had no idea at the time that like, I'd be here in the, in the fall, um, knowing now, um, or like being here now, my coach has like said, uh, that, that at the time, uh, she was like thinking about coming here. And the funny thing is, is that we both got like cowboy boots. Like when we got here, like, Oh, we're in Austin, let's get cowboy boots and like i had no idea like i was coming here i was like oh i don't even know when i'm going to wear these and stuff and and now i have a reason to this, so <laughs> it all works Love out that.
0: as a fellow austin resident i'm curious when you're not running when you're not in class what are some of your favorite things to do in the city
1: so i haven't been able to explore much um just with like adjusting to everything it, um i've really taken the time to just relax in my apartment Um, But I'm most excited about the art here. Um, A lot of people tell me, like, um, just all of the culture here, like, within the city, as far as artwork. Um, I did my undergrad in studio art. um, So a lot of, like, painting, ceramics, photography, and all of the fine arts. And so that's what I'm most excited about to explore here. Along with the food, that too. Um, A lot of people tell me that, They've lived here for so long and they're still trying new places to eat. So I'm excited about that.
0: Yeah, I will say in my short experience living there, the coffee shops, Merritt and Mozart's are my two go-tos. But Merritt is Mm -hmm. amazing. That's my... They followed me on Instagram like two weeks ago, and I was losing. it. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> I was so happy. I don't know if you've ever had merit, but it's so good. Or if no, you drink coffee, I um, but super super I good. Do. Yeah. So you'll have to you'll have to yeah. check that one out. Speaking of like um art and everything you were talking there, after your running career is over, or even you know when you go pro or whatnot, is that something? Is there uh, what I'm curious about? Is there intersection between running and art? I feel like I haven't seen it done too much. Is that something you'd be passionate about getting into and? In- I don't know what it would look like. I'm just curious the intersection of both of your worlds.
1: Yeah. So to be honest, I don't know how to combine both like the running, um, and the art. Um, but I do know when I plan to run professionally, I'll do like commissions on the side. Um, and I know with certain NIL deals, um, right now, like there's like some sponsors that will like help like encourage and, um, just help me get my art out there. Um, One thing um, that I've combined combined with here is they're having me do a mural in their academic area um, that they just redid. So I guess just like finding little ways to incorporate it in the space that I'm currently in with with, um, sports and stuff.
0: How important has that been to you to have something outside of the sport that you can fall back on, maybe when running is not going super well, or you had a bad workout or had a bad race, something that you can kind of detach your identity from the sport with?
1: It, it's it's really nice to have um, something that it, it's kind of therapeutic in the, in some ways, <laughs> um, when it's not like a big project that I had. So um, last spring, I had the the heaviest load of classes, I was taking 17 credit hours of three hour studio classes. Um, so at the time, it wasn't very therapeutic <laughs> to be in my studio like painting um, for, for a long time. But but it did help to have like, like something on the side where I wasn't constantly thinking about um, what I needed to work on and, and track and, and competitions and, and the pressure and stuff. It, it definitely, uh, even though there was a lot of, of of time that I had to take with the projects, it was still like a nice little getaway.
0: How do you, this might be like a 2 part question, but how do you balance um, your crazy schedule that you just said? You mentioned all the credit hours you were taking and during that time as well, you were trying to compete at the highest level in the country. So how do you balance your life The demands of it um and as well as when you're within a specific area of interest so whether you're in class or on the track ripping a track workout like do you find it hard to be where your feet are or are you like running that track workout and you're thinking about class you got later that day
1: yeah so as far as like balancing um it wasn't hard when i had a whole team of people helping me as far as like the academic side and um uh, the coaches and staff like they helped me um when things especially got really crazy to like balance everything out, especially since I couldn't take my projects with me um, as we traveled. So um, just using as much time as possible, like when I'm there to like be present and uh, working on those projects. And as far as any, any time that I would think about my projects during running, it would just be like on easy runs when you know, your mind just goes somewhere. I'll just like think of projects and stuff, but nothing to the point where like any stress would would come from either side. Usually if I'm on the track and I have a workout, um, I'm present on the track and thinking about um, what I need to execute there. And then when I'm in my studio, definitely like more focused on like the art and like everything I need to do with that. But as much as I do separate the two, there's sometimes, again, like, some parts of like each part of my life just spill into each other, so. Forgive
0: for sure. me for not knowing this. Do you have NCAA cross eligibility or is it just indoor and outdoor?
1: Yeah, so I have all three years uh, from COVID. Awesome. So,
0: yeah. so cross, how you how you feeling about it going into it? We're in September here.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited. Um, I'm excited to be uh, working with uh, very like strong women, um, uh, a new team, uh, different atmosphere, um, I'm excited for, for for the goals that I have um, individually and team wise. Um, it's cool to see kind of how my coach was when she first got to Illinois, but seeing her in action here, uh, I love the, the the progress and the um, the energy that she has when working with a group of girls for the first time. Um, it, it's just amazing to
0: see. Do you enjoy cross country? Or is it something that's more like, I know that I need to put in the base miles to have successful track season?
1: So I used to love cross country more than track,
0: Okay. at least
1: in high school. <laughs> um, when we had to, and when it got more into 5k, 6k, and you know, like tougher competition and, and just like a whole just different world in college, I liked to track more and I, I, Used cross country as a way to to stay in shape and to to get me through uh, towards track. Um, the thing I do have to say is I always love the team aspect of cross country. There's there's nothing quite like it. Fall is my favorite season. Just like the vibes are great in cross country, and I would say the past two years, or even maybe just last year, I started to find like my love and like my joy for cross country again, and it's definitely present. Um, this season as well
0: where was the state meet when you were in ohio was it at like the national trail raceway
1: yeah it was
0: that course looked brutal
1: yeah it it was i don't even know and then there was this one year where it was muddy so they like changed the course and like there's also like a i don't know it it was interesting for sure
0: since then at least i think this year will be the fourth year if i'm not mistaken they literally like I don't know who donated, but OHSA literally like made a specific location for the cross country state meet. And so it's like I raced on it on my junior year when I made states and it was like state of the art, perfectly paved. And then all the people who were like your age and older were like, you guys have no clue what we ran through. <laughs> like you guys are yeah, so spoiled.
1: I, I watched my younger brother uh, compete there this last year. Uh, it was his senior year and he, he raced there and I, it was, it was a nice course. So you know what I'm talking about.
0: Sure. Super nice yeah, course. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, very nice. Yeah. Do you believe in uh Midwest toughness? I feel like we see in the NCAA, a lot of kids, uh, NCAA and professional ranks, a lot of kids who came from Illinois, Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, et cetera, et cetera. Sorry for leaving out Midwest days. Not going to name every one of them. Um, and like you have to train through brutal periods of the winter and you have to, Run through cross-country courses that aren't ideal and they switch up the course the day of the state meet, right? Do you think that you've got gotten a level of toughness from those years competing and growing up in the Midwest?
1: Yes, for, for sure. And, and with that, like having to train through extremes of, of different areas, whether it's heat, whether it's like the cold and, and whatnot, you never know what you're going to expect in any season. Um, you know, you have your, your spring and then your fake spring and then you have like, (laughs) I don't know. It's just, it's the Midwest weather. I think it, yes, definitely, uh, brings a level of toughness that, um, you probably don't experience anywhere else for sure.
0: You said fall is your favorite season earlier. Me personally coming from Ohio, my heart hurts when I was in Texas. Like I'm not seeing the leaves change. The weather's not really cooling down. Does it hurt you too?
1: Yeah, it, it, it does. Um, I have been told that last last year here there was some level of fall, like the leaves were changing a bit. You know, just like getting a little bit of that. But so I hope it happens again <laughs> this year. You know, I'll just I'll just bring out my my pumpkin spice like candles, like have like the fall vibes in my apartment and stuff as much as possible. But yeah, I definitely miss um, miss fall.
0: I will say if yeah. the leaves changed, uh, that, like, town lake loop would be amazing. Like, if the, all the leaves changed mm-hmm. around that, again, I moved in June, so I have no clue if we really get any sort of fall. But I don't know if you've mm-hmm. run that loop. I'm assuming you have because it's a staple, um, like, around the around downtown, like the 10-mile loop. If the leaves changed, that mm-hmm. would be an amazing, amazing spot.
1: Yeah, and are you talking about, like, the lake area?
0: Yeah, so old people call it town lake, and then newer people call it mm-hmm. ladybird lake.
1: Okay. Where it's, like, the I'm gravel loop. used to the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right yes. on the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We we've run that loop a lot, and uh, I I love the view. It's so it's so amazing. Um, just like running a long run and constantly like being like by the water and just like seeing the other side. It kind of reminds me of like the metro parks back in Ohio.
0: Yeah met. Oh man, it's crazy talking to you because we have so many people are probably like, what are they <laughs> talking about? The metro parks in Ohio are unbeaten. I will say like Ohio mm-hmm. gets a lot of crap and some of it is probably deserved. But the metro park system uh, throughout Ohio, like no matter what city you're in, I feel like there's always some sort of metro park. It's like perfectly paved trails or like gravel or like soft surface Mm -hmm. for miles. Um, I just ran at my favorite metro park this morning and I was like, oh, you know, Texas has nothing like this. It's kind of sad. Speaking of those long runs though, has it been a culture shock for you to see so many people out on a trail at once? That was so crazy to me. Yes.
1: Yeah, and, and we're there so early and like, there's just so many people just like just like going at it at like 7 a.m and like um they're they're always there and it's nice to see um just like a city just um just vibing in the morning just like doing in their hard runs and and it's not like they're just like casually running like they're like (laughs) it's almost as if there's like different like collegiate teams there but they're just like people who live in the city who just um have a love of running and um i really like that about um here so yeah
0: briefly a minute ago we touched on uh high school cross country in ohio so let's go back to young olivia how did she get started in the sport of running
1: yeah so um i had an older cousin who she she did aau track and So I started doing AAU like the summer going into seventh grade. And when I started, I did 80 meter hurdles. I did four by one. I did four by four. I was a sprinter. And that following fall, she also did cross country. And so I was like, okay, like I'll try. So I'm not just like running around in a circle. I'll get a little scenery. At least that's what my thought process was. And I absolutely fell in love with it. Um, I loved cross country. And from then on, I've just been a distance runner. I never really knew about just like the running world, and just like how deep it was when I, I started running. And I also didn't know how much work it took. Um, I definitely like whenever whatever I was given, I, I I executed it to the fullest. But I know I trained one one that one day with um, the high schoolers. It was over the summer. I was in going into eighth grade and they ran like two miles. I was like, Oh, is this the workout? Like, is this hit? And they were just warming up and I thought (laughs) I was never going to make it. I thought I was never going to make it in running because I was tired. I was in the back of the pack. Like I was just gone. Um, But that's just like something like I look back on is, is really funny that where I was then versus even just like the next year in high school. Um, But yeah.
0: At what point did the sport go from something that you participated in and enjoyed to do um, versus like doing it and realizing like oh hey I'm I'm pretty good at this and I could probably continue to be one of the best if I keep putting in the work?
1: Yeah, I I would say early on people told me that that I this would be something that I could continue and I, I could get really good at. Um, although I it took me a while to see that for myself. I think I won even in high school, like freshman and sophomore year. Uh, sophomore year, I I won state for the first time, um, in the mile or, or si- is it? It's is sixteen hundred in high school. Yeah. Either way. Close yeah. enough.
0: Nine meters difference.
1: Uh, close enough. Um, and even then, in my head, I just thought like collegiate running, like wow, like they're they're amazing athletes, which they they definitely are. But I just thought it was so far away from from where I was Um, and at that time I was getting like some some like mail from from colleges but just like to fill out questionnaires and stuff and when I got my first one I know that's when I knew that I could continue this further
0: when you think back to your years in high school what are some of your most favorite moments or most like memorable moments that you'll forever cherish
1: I think I would say the extracurriculars that I did, or at least like my my freshman year, um, when I did those extracurriculars, um, I have an older brother who's a year older, and then I have an older sister who's three years older, I don't know, She was a senior, I was a freshman, so like, there's like the three of us in high school at the same time, and all three of us did band, Um, (laughs) and then me and my older sister also did drama club, so we were in musicals. Um, and I think just like at that time, just like the new experience, um, being involved with so much in the school created like the best memories. Um, I would say.
0: Going into college, take me behind the decision to go to the university of Illinois. What made it stand out to you? Um, and just take me through the whole process of like, why that, why that school?
1: Yeah. So when I first started, um, as most people know, it, it was very overwhelming. Uh, a bunch of colleges reaching out, the the phone calls, the the emails. Um, for some reason, I had my eyes set on the Big Ten. Don't remember why, but I just know that, that that's just like the conference that I knew I wanted to be in. And at the time, I like never heard of the University of Illinois. Um, even when I brought up to people in, like in high school, they were like, oh, do you mean um, Indiana? I know, Illinois It's just like never it was never on my radar until um, Coach Hoffman at the time is now Coach Smith um, reached out to me. Uh, She was actually at the state meet recruiting someone else my sophomore year when she first recognized me. And ever since I had my first phone call with her, um, she just stood out to me. I was looking at other schools like Penn State and I think. Arizona State, which isn't in the Big Ten, but it was just one of those random ones that I was looking at. But yeah, so she came and, and visited me, visited me at a meet. Um, and I think like one of the most memorable things that she said to me at that meet, I, I ran the, the mile and I ran the four by four was how she was like, yes, the mile was impressive, but I was more impressed by your four by four. And I had never really had anyone explain to me just like, like that kind of concept when it, when i was just going out there to run and to me it just like felt like the same either way but um again like going back to um coach i went on my official visit and she just really had it emphasized um like recovery and and the team aspect and seeing what she did with the team before i even got there the the team was 24th in the region and then within one year, she brought them to fourth. Um, so I, I wanted to be a part of a team that was building a legacy. I And she just seemed like she fit everything, all the boxes that I I had. She checked all the boxes. And even going there, the team, they had amazing chemistry. Um, you know, there, there's something different about a team that, that comes from the bottom and is working their way up. The, um, the energy is different, for sure. And even like when I, when I got there, when I committed and it was the first race and I'll never forget this because in in high school, I I ran by myself a lot, especially in races and competition. I never, I knew cross country was a team sport, but nothing like how it is in college. Um, and I I was, I was dying in a race. I was, I was trying to make it through. And then my, one of my teammates was like talking to me during the race. And it was just like, I never had that before, and it just just reassured me that like I was in the right spot, like I was where I needed to be.
0: You mentioned two things there: one, during your recruiting process, uh, like wanting to go to a Big Ten school, and then two, um, appreciating what your coach was like of wanting to build a legacy. If you go down your list of accolades, uh, of course, the NCAA title stands out, but in relation to the Big Ten, I think one of the biggest things that stands out for any athlete in terms of success are, are they consistently successful? Because anyone can win something one year, but like, where are they the next year? And for those that don't know, you were a three time, uh, three years in a row, I want to say you won the Big Ten indoor mile title. Um, So <laughs> like, that is the definition of consistency. Is that something you pride yourself on as like being consistently good and not just being occasionally great?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think the, the the mindset at least was very much so that I always had a target on my back and that, that really pushed me uh, throughout the years. And um, it makes me appreciate uh, when I have my bad races.
0: We just talked about those three uh, Big Ten titles. Another, you know, the prominent race that I'm sure you get asked about all the time is the indoor mile that you won this past year at NCAAs in Albuquerque. I want to see you ran 434 at altitude to win it. Take me through this race. And also, did you feel like you kind of had a chip on your shoulder going into it where I feel like your competitors definitely knew who you were, but the outside world, I feel like you weren't talked about too much. And it seemed like this was your like coming out party. Like, hey, this is my coming out party in the NCAA and I'm here to stay.
1: Yeah, so like you said, I definitely was not the favorite to win Um, coming in. I think I was like 16th. But talking with with Coach and and her confidence, like really – allowed me to just like get out there. Um, I knew what I could do. Um, I know what I did in the past um, and my experience at the NCAA final. And I, I was just excited to get out there. Um, I, I ran at Albuquerque earlier in the season. Um, so I got a bit of that altitude um, and how I would feel. And um, yeah, so like at the beginning of the race, my coach and I just had, had a goal where it was just to um, be in second until it's better to be in first (laughs) or at least like get in a good position um, and get out strong. In the past, usually, or uh, at least I feel like I know I'm known for a sink kicker. And when I first came to college, that was definitely the case. But over the years, I've had so much experience with different race styles and especially with coaches training. She got me ready to be ready for any kind of race, um, whether they take it out fast, take it out slow. There's a lot happening in the middle, responding to moves, making my own. Um, so I felt pretty confident going into the race. I also had the big screen that helped me to see like what was happening behind me. Um, and when Lauren Gregory, uh, when she made her move, I, I was still uh, confident enough that if I, I stayed with her that. I'd be able to to finish strong. I knew I had a little something left, Um, but yeah.
0: What were the emotions crossing the finish line, winning your first NCAA title?
1: It almost didn't feel real. Um, I was just overflowed with like so many different emotions, like joy, like happiness, because it was just such a big goal of mine for so long. And just like going to different national meets and coming short that, um, To achieve such a high goal like that for me, um, it was almost unreal. Even though I knew I put in the work, I put in the time, I had experience. um, I was never ready for that kind of emotion, but yeah.
0: With thinking on all that you've accomplished within the past year, going into your final year of the NCAA, what are some things you're looking to accomplish and just have your eyes set on?
1: (laughs) I guess just my biggest thing is coming back and, um, and improving um, on everything I did from the past, um, especially for cross country. I know I, I came short um, when it really mattered at least for like cross for uh, conference and for nationals, um, although it was my best season that I've ever had in cross, um, those two meets I just had it just so happened that I had my bad day when it really mattered. So, so really, really focusing in on that and team wise, I guess, just like really connecting with them, um, and achieving the high goals that, that we have, uh, for the season. And as far as indoor and outdoor, um, I'm looking for those titles. I I, I have a feeling that this is my year.
0: Enough said there. (laughs) I love it. I'm looking forward (laughs) to seeing it all go down, all go down. It's crazy how fast time flies, like. It's September, and I'm like, wow, I feel like it was January yesterday, but it also doesn't feel like it was just January. I don't know. So when you said yeah, that, I was yeah. like, man, Indoor mm-hmm. and Outdoor are going to be here before we know it just because of how yeah. fast time goes by. So, mm-hmm. Which also means that hopefully if time flies by, that means the weather should hopefully be better in Austin <laughs> soon enough. Yes, soon yes.
1: Enough. I am counting down the days <laughs> until it is not 100 degrees.
0: <laughs> to the people who listened to your story, listen to today's conversation, what would be one final takeaway message you want people to walk away with?
1: I would say that a goal is never too far away. As I said before, um, many times in most of uh, the answers I had to some of your questions in high school, I didn't think, or in middle school, I didn't think I was going to make it in high school. In high school, I didn't think I was going to make it in college. Um, But not only was I able to, to make it there, I had great success just because I did. I never let my um, my PRs be a capstone to my potential. Um, and another thing, this is kind of more just about me, and, and kind of like less of about other people. But a big part of my running career is my faith. I never would have gotten where I am today without it. But I guess it's just a little thing.
0: Yeah, you. elaborate on that. I always love hearing when my guests have a faith. I personally uh, am very, very Christian and love to talk about it myself. And so anytime a guest brings it up, I never want to force it on them. But if they're willing to talk on it, I love to give them the platform. So if you could speak on that. Um, yeah. How crucial has that been not only to your running, but your life as a whole?
1: Yeah, um, it, it's helped me. My, my faith has helped me in, in the, the lowest parts of my life outside of running. Um, I There's... Been a lot of, of setbacks, and I feel like now I have a testimony. So, my junior year of high school, I think it was spring break, um, my mom passed, and nothing really mattered to me as much as my faith because that's what I fell back on. Um, and, and since then, it, it's there's I've never felt the way I do now when I didn't have my faith when I didn't have Jesus in my life and and since then it, it hasn't been a perfect easy life of course it's never what it's supposed to be but whenever I feel like I'm falling back to where I was um when my mom passed or when things get tough like even like with running every part of my life it has helped me tremendously and there's nothing quite like it I was using it during nationals when I was on lap four and I was like, I don't think I'm going to make it through the race. And I just call on his name and just that, that burst of energy got me through the race. But yeah.
0: I personally believe that Jesus gives us each unique abilities and it's our goal to use them and to use them for his glory. I don't know you super well, but if I had to guess, I would say one of those gifts he gave you was the gift of running and moving one leg in front of the other very fast and faster than 99.9% of human beings. For you, is it cool to be able to use this gift he's given you to glorify him? And even like, I mean, even though we don't strictly talk about running on this podcast, it's the subject of this podcast. And like, if you weren't a runner you wouldn't be on this podcast and you wouldn't be able to speak to the thousands you're speaking to today. And boom, you just gave testimony to him and his name and what he's done in your life. So it a kind of full circle to be able to glorify him in this way and glorify him through your running, whether it's at NCAAs or in an interview like this um, and use the gift he gave you to glorify him in a bigger way, because a lot of people, you know, they have faith, but very few actually speak about it. And so, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I, I never, um, when I was running and and before I was I was fully into like my faith, I never thought which is like one of the funny things about about God. Um, he he finds his way to to show his glory. And it's definitely one of my motivators when I feel like I'm not good enough in the sport, when the pressure gets to be too much that he's ultimately what I'm doing this for. Um, and as long as I'm doing it for him, he will provide. Like he he will get me to where I want to be where I need to be, where he needs me to be. Um, So it, it makes me feel like I'm a part of something bigger than just me competing.
0: Yeah, you said there where he needs me to be. And for me, and thinking about those words, it's like, you know, everything happens for a reason. God makes things happen for a reason. Is it easier to let go of the journey and of the results of running with that framework and mindset? Because I think a lot of people try to fight what's going on in their life but when you believe in God and his plan and things unveil, it's like, of course, you take as much control as you can. But when you relinquish it to him and trust in his plan, I feel like things go smoother. And so in a sport where it's a bunch of type A individuals who want to control things, has it been helpful for you to fall back on your faith and be like, this race sucked? But guess what? Like, it's all a part of the bigger plan.
1: Yes, I, I think it definitely helps me. Um, besides Aside from my faith, though, I've always been like pretty much a laid-back person when it comes to that, um, and I truly believe that like I learn more from my failures than my achievements. So I, I've learned to to embrace them because I know in the end, like they will help me become a better person, a better athlete. But yeah, with the faith, like knowing that the the failures are a part of um, getting me where I'm going to be, um, definitely definitely helps.
0: Olivia, it's been a fantastic conversation. Great learning more about you, your story, and everything you've got going on in Austin, Texas. One final question for you, the question I ask every guest on every podcast. If you had Gordon Ramsey coming over to your house, or I guess apartment for dinner, what would you choose to make for him?
1: Oh, what would I make for him? <laughs> oh, gosh, I, I'm, so, I'm such a good cook. I would have to, no. <laughs> um,
0: you got to have that confidence, though.
1: Yes, yes, you do. I would probably cook him some pasta.
0: <laughs> can't go wrong with that.
1: You can't go wrong with pasta. Well,
0: Olivia, yeah. it's been a pleasure having this conversation. Can't wait to see all the incredible things you do. And uh, yeah, best of luck with the future. I'm here to support it, follow along, and excited to see where God will take you.
1: Thank you so much. And thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the podcast. I don't take your time for granted, so I hope that it brought you some wisdom and value that you can apply directly into your running and into your life. If you have not already done so, please consider giving us a follow and a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And then something all of you guys can do is share today's episode or the podcast in general with a friend or someone who you think will benefit from it. One more note, if you're not already following us on Instagram, consider doing so. My Instagram tag is at The Running Effect. I hope you're running and life is going well. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy life to listen to today's episode. I will catch you in two days when the next episode drops. Until then, happy running.